Hey guys, Dan Howard here, Gunnison St. Joe's with the GSTJ podcast, the first podcast of 2021. It's a clean slate, it's a fresh start. This one's going to be a good one. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, joining me on this episode of the GSTJ podcast is one of our awesome docs from the ER department, the one and the only Dr. Kale Tompkins. Dr. Tompkins, how are you? Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm doing well, maybe a little bit tired. Uh, I uh, worked overnight in the hospital last night, but you know it's getting close to bedtime and I'm feeling a little optimistic about things. We've got our uh, COVID-19 vaccine starting to roll out and... Um, I've got a few days off coming up, so uh, that's awesome. That's uh, good news for me. So I don't, I, I honestly don't know how you do it. Like I, I struggle to get through an, an average eight-hour day, and like you're dealing with twenty, what is twenty-four hour shifts, and you do two of them back to back, right? That's right. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we have a call room in the hospital where we get some sleep during all of our downtime, so we can, you know, take naps and rest when we can, and uh, it allows us to have uh, good continuity of care. So, um, you know, instead of having to hand off patients over and over again, uh, you know, if we're there in the hospital taking care of people who might be there for hours, uh, you know, we're able to to take care of them the whole time. You, you're a hero to someone like me that struggles to get out of bed working eight hour day. And then I'm like in my pajamas pretty much as soon as I get in through the door. So, um, so how's, how's things going in general down in the ER department? Cause we've had, we've, we've moved into a new facility. We're now in this new facility. We've been here like seven months. Plus we had COVID to handle all at the same time. Just like, how's things going? Uh, they're going well. It's been a it's been a heck of a year um, for everybody, especially down in the ER. Um, you know, opening the new building during a pandemic, uh, we were all concerned about how that was going to go. Um, you know, we felt like we didn't have a choice. This was our one chance to do this hospital, and you know, pandemic or not, we we're going to make it happen. A lot of people put in a lot of hard work, um, planning and designing and. Uh, preparing for that building and move, and uh, we're really happy to be in the new space. Um, the the new ER is a huge upgrade, uh, you know, kind of o- over our old dated department that we love so much in the old building. Um, it's just a big upgrade. There's just, uh, uh, you know, it's well-designed. It's, it's better flow for patients. It's safer for patients. It's it gives us the opportunity uh, to to care for it better. Um, you know, it's actually kind of fortuitous that uh, you know we got the chance to move into this new building. You know, right as we really needed it. Um, you know, instead of COVID nineteen pandemic hit, um, you know, we we needed some of these new technologies. We needed negative pressure rooms um, that kind of pull the air, uh, you know, from the patient and expels it out of the building, so that we're not exposing other patients. Um, you know, to that virus. Um, you know, the new building has these, you know, wonderful sliding glass doors on the rooms that allows us to really seal those rooms off when we need to um, from the other patients, from the rest of the building. Um, you know, that's been huge. Um, and we've got new monitoring as well in the new hospital, in the new ER. Um, you know, we've got remote monitoring, which allows us to have a monitor on our patient, be able to view their vital signs, their their heart rate, 
Um, and, uh, you know, really keep an eye on how the patient is doing from all throughout the department and throughout the hospital if we need to. And that monitor moves with the patient. Even if we go take them to uh, get an X-ray or a CT scan, the monitoring goes with the patient. We can keep monitoring them. Um, and that's just a huge patient safety upgrade. Uh, so you know, it's really worked out well. Yeah. That is amazing. I mean, I knew I knew you guys had some new technology with the the booms in the in the major medical rooms and the trauma room, um, and and the kind of stuff that that connects in there. I'm not a medical guy, but like the suction and all that kind of stuff being on that thing and the ability to move it around. I had no idea about the remote monitoring though. That's really neat. Yeah, the old building we used to we used to have to attach all the oxygen tubing and suction and everything to the wall behind us, which meant we had wires and tubes running from the patient to the wall. Um, it just, it became cumbersome. It could get in the way of patient care. Um, you know, with the new design, uh, the new technology that we have, uh, you know, there's a boom that hangs from the ceiling that all that stuff attaches to, um, that we can move around. So it's right next to the patient where we need it to be. Um, you know, so we have everything that we would need to, to care for, uh, a truly emergent patient kind of right at arm's reach. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing to have such a, such a resource, um, you know, in, in a rural area like we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about COVID there. We've kind of been dealing with this now for, well, it's coming up to a year in March, I think. Um, and you guys, at, you know, on an average day outside of a pandemic, you guys deal with a wide spectrum of, of situations, everything from like, you know, a bee sting to, to heart attacks to vehicle crashes and things like that. How has COVID... What has COVID been like in your experience and like what are the kind of things that we've done in the ER to kind of move with the with the pandemic? Yeah, so I mean COVID-19, just like everything else in the world right now, it's changed everything. Um, you know, it's it's changed the way we we care for patients. Um, you know, one of our biggest priorities, if not our biggest priorities that we have, um, is trying to keep people safe, right? And we want people to be able to come into the emergency department uh, and urgent care when they need to um, and not have to uh, worry that they're uh, unnecessarily being exposed uh, to the COVID-19 virus. So we have put new uh, kind of new workflows and protocols in place. Um, you know, we try to screen everybody before they come in um, so that if there's you know any chance that uh, this patient might have uh, COVID-19, might potentially spread it to someone else. We identify that right away. Uh, we're able to immediately get that patient into a safe area of the hospital, um, you know, where we can uh, be sure that they're not going to infect anybody else. And then we can wear our appropriate uh, PPE, protective equipment for ourselves so that we are safe as well, taking care of that patient. So identifying those patients early, getting them to areas of the hospital that are kind of designated to be safe to have COVID-19 patients, um, and uh, trying to limit the number of, of people that uh, that patient is exposed to, right? So, you know, it's all about trying to protect everybody involved here. Um, and sometimes that means trying to decrease the number of people in our department. Um, unfortunately, you know, part of that has been we've had to limit visitors um, to our emergency department. Um, you know, I, it's been a, it's been frustrating for for patients, for family, and it's been frustrating for us. But it's the right thing to do. Um, it keeps people safe. Uh, we do our best to try to involve those family members still, even if you know they're kind of waiting outside the department in the car or at home um, while we care for their patient. And you know, in kind of truly uh, uh, critical situations where that family member needs to be involved. 
They can be, um, either remotely um, or we bring them into the department if we absolutely have to. Uh, you know, if someone's confused or they're not able to answer questions for themselves, we need additional information. You know, this is not something that we are unable to do to bring someone into the department. We need family members there. If they absolutely have to be there, we can make exceptions to that rule when it's necessary. But it's trying to keep people safe. And I think if everyone kind of understands that we all do our part to, you know, make these sacrifices so that, uh, we can uh, get on the other side of this pandemic and, and start to see things head back towards normal, then, you know, that's the priority for all of us. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we we talk a little bit about with the with the emergency room. I know one of the big things that we've changed recently is um, we've increased access to urgent care. We changed our hours on weekends and holidays. So now we are eight eight in the morning till eight in the evening on weekends and holidays. And we're still four while eight during weekdays. Um, I know it, both of these services are provided in, in the emergency department. I, one of the biggest questions that I think a lot of people have is the difference between emergency and urgent care, because people do come in during urgent care hours thinking they're going to get a bill at urgent care rate, but it's, it's a little bit deeper than that, right? It's a, it's a, it's a different kind of service. Can you, ex, can you try and like demystify the difference between when when something is emergent care and when it's urgent care? I can do my best. Uh, <laughs> this, because it has to do with billing and healthcare, it's uh, inevitably a complicated uh, topic. Um, but I can try to explain how that, how that goes into uh, uh, our decision-making and, and the billing portion of it. Um, one, we don't choose. Um, you know, uh, we don't pick whether someone is urgent care or emergency. Okay, that's decided by uh, what uh, the patient is coming in for, and what kind of services are needed. Um, urgent care is really patients that are requiring uh, the same amount of care, testing, and treatment that would be available at a typical clinic, a family medicine clinic. Um, and, uh, you know, that's really uh, for most kind of common, common conditions that aren't uh, potentially life-threatening or truly uh, dangerous or emergent, um, you know, and that could be anything from, you know, a sore throat, uh, you know, an injured wrist, uh, you know, um, things like that, uh, you know, those could easily be urgent care. Um, the way we look at urgent care uh, billing is if the patient comes in uh, with a, a non-life-threatening uh, condition, and we uh, do a, a simple test um, or in a, just an evaluation by the physician. So maybe a simple lab test like a urine analysis or uh, one x-ray of, of an injured wrist. Um, and then the, the physician makes a diagnosis and a, and a straightforward treatment plan. Those are, those are urgent care issues, okay? Uh, when things get more complex than that, if we're doing lots of different uh, advanced testing, okay, if, you're, if we're doing extensive blood work plus x-rays, uh, plus EKGs and all of these other kind of advanced and emergent um, evaluations of the patient, um, you know, that's, that's typically billed as an emergency room visit. Um, those services are only available in emergency departments on short notice, um, and that's kind of what goes into that uh, decision is, you know, could you have gotten this, this uh, same care um, at a clinic um, and, uh, you know, if you'd have gone to a family medicine clinic and they would have done the same thing, that's kind of a general rule of thumb 
that it's going to be an urgent care visit if you're doing urgent care hours. Um, it's important to mention also that there's there's some conditions that just potentially are dangerous. Um, someone comes in with chest pain. I mean, that that almost always has the possibility to be serious. Mm-hmm. Um, it requires... Uh, you know, a high level of evaluation and treatment of that patient to make sure that they're going to be okay, that we've identified any emergent conditions and, and treated them uh, uh, quickly. Those are almost always going to be an emergency room visit, um, uh, regardless of the time of day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's important also uh, that if you have concerns about this, you have questions when you're in the department, when you're coming in about whether something is going to be uh, an urgent care visit or an emergency room visit, um, we absolutely uh, invite that dialogue. Um, we usually can at least give you a general idea. Um, we may not always be able to give you the details of it until after we've kind of evaluated the uh, evaluated the patient and determined what's going on. Um, sometimes things are more or less serious than they first appear, uh, and so we don't always know um, what needs to be done with that patient until we've had a chance to evaluate them. But generally, we can talk you through that process. We can let you know if this is likely just going to be an urgent care visit or if we think that we're going to recommend uh, additional testing or treatment that might bump it into uh, an emergency visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important that we um, are able to provide both services um, to our patients um, and uh you know, we're able to do that, uh, you know, through the emergency department so that we have um, that availability kind of day and night for our patients. Um, mm-hmm. Access is always an issue. Um, we want to make sure that our patients, if they need to be seen, they can be seen. Um, and, you know, if that's an urgent care issue, we don't want that patient to have to wait uh you know, an undue amount of time to come in. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that they're able to be seen promptly uh, for those issues and get the treatment they need. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, everybody here that works at Gunderson St. Joe's, we, we always encourage people to talk to us. If, they have, if, they're, if they're confused about anything, they're confused about their care, if they're confused about how things are going to be billed, you know, it, it's like you say, it's, we really encourage that dialogue. Um, so, you know, for anybody watching, uh, if you have any questions, you can drop them in the comments below. You can also call uh, our team as well anytime. Just ask them. Um, so I know you've just done two days on. You're back at home, which is it's great that you could make the time for this podcast. So you're living in Madison and you're coming all the way over to Hillsborough to provide emergency care and urgent care. What is it about rural health care and particularly the guys at St. Joe's too? I'll just throw that in there. Um, but what is it about rural healthcare that makes you make that drive to provide provide care? Um, you know, so I've been coming out to Hillsboro from Madison to work now for for almost ten years, um, and it wasn't something that I anticipated would be my career. Um, you know, I, I trained in Madison and kind of anticipated that was where I would work or in a similar environment, a bigger city. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I found Hillsboro and St. Joseph's uh, on a little bit of a fluke that, you know, they needed staffing and I happened to be available. And on short notice, I came out and, you know, I just found a place that I just enjoyed working. The people out there are great, both our staff uh, and the patients. And it's just really refreshing to work in a place that uh, you feel like the patients appreciate that you're there. They appreciate that you're able to provide this care to them. Um, you know, and, 
rural healthcare has been something that uh, I've, I've grown to realize is is critically important. Um, you know, we kind of take access to healthcare for granted in bigger cities, and we, you know, we get used to there being hospitals and urgent cares and emergency rooms and clinics on every corner, practically. That's not the case in in many parts of rural Wisconsin and uh, and throughout the country, and it takes an effort to provide care in these rural areas. Um, and one of those biggest issues is is finding uh, you know qualified healthcare personnel to come you know that are going to provide that care in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's it's something I kind of feel passionate about. Uh, you know, as the medical director for the department is you know is making sure that we are providing the same quality of care that you would get if you walked into any big city emergency department anywhere in the country. That's the key. Um, We're always going to be a little limited in scope of what we can do. Uh, We're not always going to have all the specialists um, available to us on site, um, but we're starting to expand our telemedicine access um, to be able to uh, bring some of those specialists uh, into our emergency department uh, as well. So, you know, neurology is a big one. You know, we uh, have been working for a while and continue to develop a program for uh, telestroke, um, which is if you come to our emergency department uh, with with a stroke or stroke-like symptoms, um, you know, we, we now have immediate access to stroke specialty neurologists, um, that we can bring onto a uh, telemedicine uh, screen and can help evaluate that patient. They can see the patient, talk to the patient, examine the patient uh, right there. Um, and this allows us to, um, you know, really provide this, you know, high quality medical care um, in a place that that has been difficult historically to provide it. Um, and we're, we continue to work all the time to try to uh, uh, improve our, our um services and uh, expand what we can do and use technology to expand what we can do. So, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't anticipate doing anything else in the near future. And I, I like coming out and I hope I continue to. We are so uh, fortunate to have someone like you on our medical staff. Um, and, you know, just the way you talk about, you can tell the passion that you have for the work that you do. But also the the vision that you have to kind of bring in some of those uh, specialists to do things like telestroke. I just I I find that phenomenal. And I grew up I grew up in a in a larger city. You know, Wisconsin. I came to Wisconsin about nine years ago. This is literally the smallest, most unpopulated place that I've ever lived in. And the fact that we have quality providers like yourself and quality services right here is just, it. it it makes me feel really proud to be here. So I am so thankful for you to be able to hang with us on this podcast, um, particularly after spending two full 24-hour shifts in our emergency room. So if you guys, uh, anybody watching this, if you got any questions about anything you've heard uh, about emergency care or urgent care, drop them in the comments below or feel free to call our team at 489-8000. Uh, I'll be right back after this break. Thanks very much, Dr. Tompkins. Thanks, Dan. Staying in, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Date nights, snuggles with the fam, pajama days, you might discover something really great, like quick and easy access to your health care needs. At Gunderson, we're offering more virtual care options and convenience through the MyChart app, delivering the health care you need anytime, anywhere. Gunderson Health System, we're bringing love 
plus medicine to you. Hey, welcome back. Uh, now, you may have already heard that Gunderson Health System and Gunderson St. Joseph begin the process of vaccinating patients against COVID-19. We are currently, as of this recording, we are currently in the process of vaccinating patients, all patients over the age of 75, and patients over the age of 65 with an increased risk due to certain health conditions. Now, this is an ever-evolving situation. Um, the best thing to do is to log on to gunnersonhealth.org forward slash COVID-19 for the very latest information. And another thing you can do is help us prepare for community vaccinations by establishing a MyChart account. Um, you can do this online through the Gunnison Health System website. This is going to be the primary method of inviting you to come get your COVID-19 vaccine. Um, we will also be doing letters and telephone calls as well, but MyChat will be the primary method that Gunnison Health System will use to notify you about vaccinations. We'll be right back after this break. At Gunderson Health System, we know your healthcare needs are as unique as you. And the MyChart app, formerly known as MyCare, is your personalized healthcare experience. MyChart gives you access to appointment details, test results, and video visits. You can also check in, complete questionnaires, and manage your insurance and billing information. Gunderson and MyChart, connecting you to your healthcare information anytime, anywhere. Uh, that's pretty much it for another Gunderson St. Joe's podcast. Just want to take a quick moment to thank Dr. Tompkins for spending some time with us today to talk about emergency and urgent care. And I also want to make a quick announcement. I want to welcome Natalie Adams to our corporate board. Natalie Adams is the Assistant Vice President of Brand Development at Royal Bank in Elroy, and she replaces Steve Hofmeister, who served our board for a number of years. Great guy, done a lot for this community and done a lot for Gunnison St. Joe's. So thank you, Steve, and thank you, Natalie, for joining our board. Don't forget, if you are watching us on Facebook, you can check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts in an audio-only format. And if you're listening to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Gunnison St. Joseph's. Until next time, take care. We're taking off.